The following Truth Barista podcast is a High Beam Ministry production. Where do followers of Jesus stand as far as the law of Moses, the Torah, the commandments given by God to Moses for the people of Israel? In Hebrew, known as Taryag Mitzvot, Taryag meaning 613 and Mitzvot commandments. Where do we stand? Is it the same for everyone, for Jew and Gentile in Jesus? Is it one thing for a Jewish believer, another thing for a Gentile believer? Is there anything universal about it? Is it a matter of specific calling, conscience, leading? Our culture is confused, and that confusion is spilling over into everything today. God is never confused, and those who know Him and obey Him are never confused. Confusion is the absence of truth. But here on this program, we untangle our culture's confusion with the truth. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Truth Barista, of course, we're back in the United Booth again today, and I'm just excited because when we finished up last time, you said we were going to unpack this verse in Matthew 5, 20. It says, For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, now that's a quite a statement. That is quite a statement. Now, this is the perspective to take. 19 and 20 go together. Remember when we talked about 19, Jesus was talking about those in his kingdom, those whose hearts were for his Torah to both learn it and do it were going to be in his kingdom and have a significant place in his kingdom. Those who disregarded his Torah and taught others to disregard the Torah will still be in his kingdom but they'll seem to have some sort of a lesser standing in his kingdom. But notice the point of verse 19 is, you are in his kingdom, right? Right. Yep, that's correct. If you go to verse 20, what does he say? Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So 19 is about being in the kingdom. Verse 20 is how you get into the kingdom. And that gets to the heart of the matter that people say you can't follow the law in order to be saved. And I agree with them. You can't. That's what Jesus is saying here. But it seems to me that the scribes and the Pharisees were following the law. Now, they may be following the law in, a, in an obscure way, but they, they seem to be the epitome of following the law. So how do you go beyond what appears to be those that follow the law? Okay, the scribes and the Pharisees are still people. They're not God. And as a result, like us, they have a limited understanding. And I mean, they may be great thinkers, like some of us are. I mean, there are some great thinkers out there. And, you know, that's a great thing. But they're still human. Our thinking is still limited. When we approach the divine law, we don't know the absolute perfect interpretation 
that God would have us do. Jesus does that because he wrote it. He is the Torah. He's given us his Holy Spirit to help us get the best interpretation we can. Furthermore, we don't always apply it perfectly. There are some ways we hit it on the mark, some applications we completely miss or completely misapply. That would be you know, myself or, or the Pharisees or the scribes, but Jesus being the author and the embodiment of the Torah, he knew exactly how to apply it in every stinking situation. Well, again, that's why we have the resident rabbi, the Holy Spirit, because not only does he help us interpret it, he says, now in this situation, this would be a good way to apply it. And, and so this is what we're wrestling with as we learn God's Torah in you know, along with all the rest of God's word. The problem is with the Pharisees here that Jesus is saying is they're looking at their way of getting saved as not entering the kingdom by believing me and following Jesus. Their method of getting into the kingdom, their belief that they get into the kingdom was based on meticulous observance of the law. This is why the common person, oh, that common person is just a sinner, but me, I'm a meticulous observer of the law. So therefore, that's my basis of righteousness. And Jesus goes, uh, no, it isn't. Wow. Now, that makes a whole lot of sense, Truth Barista. And and it's kind of like self-righteousness on steroids, right? I mean, that's what it appears to me anyway, that that was what they were trusting in. That makes sense. Well, don't you know, I mean, think of cultural Christianity today. Now, I know that's one of your favorite topics, cultural Christianity. Are there Christians that believe they can get into heaven in ways other than faith in Jesus? Well, they may not say that, but they probably live like that. Yes. Okay. okay. Give me some examples. What do you think? Well, I think people who are very legalistic, for example, that, you know, things that you say or do or practice probably are going to keep you out of the kingdom because that's not right to do. I mean, I'm not talking immorally. I'm just talking about, well, like, say, for example, tattoos, or let's just say somebody who comes into the church and isn't exactly acquainted with church culture. We always think, well, you don't do it quite like we do. You know, you don't believe like we believe, and therefore we're putting people down and discounting their faith. Sometimes people believe so strongly in their doctrine that, like, for example, the doctrine of once saved, always saved. And if you didn't believe in that or you didn't believe in some sort of Calvinistic point of view of the scriptures, well, then you're just not quite there. You're not quite with it. Does that make sense? It, yeah, it all comes down to what you base your salvation on. Now, somebody says, I'm a good person. Well, then I would ask them, why do you think you're a good person? Well, it's the things I do and don't do. Oh, so what you're saying is you have an inborn law that you follow as a moral standard. And depending on how you think you're doing is how you believe you're going to be in the kingdom or not. Well, congratulations. You've now fallen into the category of the Pharisees and the scribes. Because to them, it was, well, if I do this law correctly, and if I do it meticulously, I will gain a righteousness or a right standing before God. Jesus, from the very top, says, that's not how you do it. It's by faith in me. 
You believe that I am God's pathway back to him through my sacrificial death on your behalf. But then he's also saying, yeah, and once you accept that, now you have to live God's ways, and this is how you do it. In essence, the Pharisees were putting the cart before the horse. The horse is salvation. The cart is what you do after salvation. The Pharisees were saying, well, if I do the law first, that will gain me standing. This is why he says, unless your righteousness, faith in Jesus, surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, the meticulous observance. If you try to do it their way, you're not going into the kingdom. Well, that was pretty direct. I got to tell you a quick story, though, and it kind of illustrates this. I went to a church once with my wife, and they were taking communion. And we were both believers in Jesus, but they told us we couldn't take communion because we didn't belong to that synod or that denomination. And I thought to myself, wow, you're restricting my ability or my freedom to take communion as a believer in Jesus Christ because I didn't belong to this church denomination, I was appalled. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is that as a believer, we are supposed to observe communion, which is actually the abbreviated Passover. We are to observe that in order to proclaim Jesus' death until he comes as a part of our belief in him Correct. as the only way to God. So this denomination is basically telling you, since you're not on our side of the kingdom, you aren't saved and you are ineligible for celebrating communion. Well, in essence, I think that's what they were saying. Anyway, we were prohibited from taking communion. I never forgot that. And I thought, wow, if I ever was in a church and in control of giving communion out, I certainly wouldn't restrict it on that reason. I've encountered that too. And that just gets me furious, to be blunt. I mean, I have to repent when that kind of stuff is pulled on me, because in essence, what they're saying is we're saved, you're not. Unless you're saved as we are, you can't participate, you can't celebrate Christ's death on your behalf. I'm going, wow, you're basically telling me I'm unsaved and going to hell, and you are the only people saved and going to heaven. That is the most arrogant and errant thing I think I encounter in the church today when I hear that kind of stuff. And it does. It makes me furious. This is why I'm glad I go to a church that practices what they call open communion. If you're a believer, doesn't matter what flavor of denomination you are. We're all one in Jesus. You come to the altar as a repentant sinner, and we all rejoice together and we celebrate together. You know, when Jesus comes back, he's going to straighten all this out, right? I sure hope so. <laughs> but you know what we have to straighten out? Because I know you want to go into more of this uh, Matthew 5 dissertation you're doing, teaching us about Jesus and the law. But I think we've got to pause for a moment and get some of that good Java that we create here at the coffee house. And don't think you're going to be saved by drinking the right coffee bean. <laughs> We are practicing open coffee drinking here, no matter what flavor the coffee bean it is. Wow. The first step in anything is knowing the truth. Knowing the truth about God is what we do in every podcast here on The Truth Barista. The next step is yours in what you do about it. We are The Truth Barista, a production of HighBeamMinistry.com. Truth Barista, you know, this 
particular podcast has so much good value to it. In fact, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said this, you deal with topics I don't hear in church. What do you think of that? I think that's great and that's exactly what we do. Why? Well, you know, in some churches, pastors have a lot of responsibility, a lot of people to answer to. They've got a lot of things to do and there are some biblical truths that go unaddressed for various reasons and what we like to do is we like to fill in the gap. We're here to add value to the come alongside pastors and address maybe some hot topics that they can't or won't address. We want to hit those hot topics head on because the body needs to hear the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And that's what they will hear when they tune in because after all, you are the truth barista. You come up with the best topics and the best solutions to the things that people are really struggling with in society, in their minds, or in their practice. We don't proclaim to know the whole truth here, but we do know the truth, and we just discuss and we ruminate and we mull over all these topics to give people something to think about, but we always try to keep it thoroughly grounded on God's truth. So if you're listening to the Truth Barista podcast, this can be great for just you or small groups, home groups when you're out on a walk or when you're biking could even be used as a pulpit fuller who knows but we're here to teach on various topics and we don't shy away from any of them so you can take the truth barista podcast and you can share it with your friends and the whole podcast really is designed and produced by high beam ministry and what is high beam ministry well high beam ministry is about shining the light of god's truth on the road ahead we need god's truth to guide us through life and through a variety of media the truth barista podcast the frothy thoughts blog video classes online teachings we bring it all and the web address is highbeamministry.com highbeamministry.com So here, what we're talking about here is we're talking the right motive for Torah obedience. Do you follow the Torah? Do you follow God's word to get righteous and be made right with God? Or do you follow it because you're right with God? And really the the right answer is the is the second answer. We follow God's word because he's already made us right with him. I like what Tim Haig of Torah Resource writes. He says this, one passes the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, not by neglecting the outward performance of the commands, what they call the mitzvot, but by performing them as the fruit of a heart given over to the true worship of God. Now, if we obey the Torah out of obligation, it's really hard to keep them, right? I mean, how many times when we were a kid, you know, I don't want to do this because I have to do it. But boy, if it's something we want to do, we just jumped in with both feet, right? Okay. Same thing is with God. But if we receive God's commands as a blessing and a privilege, then keeping them, Tom Higgs says, is pure delight. However, only a heart born out of faith in God is able to so receive the commandments as blessing. And it is this kind of keeping that Jesus is teaching his disciples. This is, again, in the New Covenant, why he says, I'm going to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now you have a desire to walk God's way, a desire to embrace him, a desire not to offend him, and a desire to please him. And he goes, hey, guess what? Along with that, I'm going to give you a rabbi who's going to teach it, and I'm going to motivate you to walk my ways. 
What do you think of that? I'm going, I'm in, you know, I'm in, (laughs) I'm in, I'm in too. But you know, this whole study has helped me understand that I'm looking at the law through a different lens these days that I see it as kind of like an, an instruction manual of what God requires and the requirements that he had in the earlier days before Jesus of how somebody was to be righteous. I appreciate the law now. I don't want to reject it or remove it. I want to appreciate it for what it is. And this helps you to weld the Bible into one book. That's been a favorite topic, right, of ours along over the years has been the Bible is not two books. It's one book. Now it has a history section and it has a law section and it has a gospel and epistles and a end times section to it. Well, just like the law, it has a civil section, a ceremonial section and a moral section. They all go together. You just have to figure out which one is which and how to apply them. But the principle is there's something in all of it that you can learn and apply to your life if you let the Holy Spirit unpack it. And true, you do need good people who understand the Bible. That's a wonderful help to sit down and walk you through it. Relative to this whole salvation and the terms of a covenant, this came to mind, and let me share this with you. When a man and a woman love each other very much, no, we're not getting into that talk. Okay. But when a man and a woman love each other very much, they decide to get married. And so at the altar, they say their vows. This is how I'm going to treat you. This is how you're going to treat me. Now, let me ask you a question. If they decide to get married, is the first time they ever meet at the altar? Heavens no. They better not. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Well, it just doesn't seem appropriate to say, well, I just met you five minutes ago, and now I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. I don't even know you, but okay, that doesn't work. Okay, so this is how people approach this whole question of, do we have to follow the law to be saved? No, it'd be like meeting a stranger at the altar of the opposite sex and saying, okay, now I'm going to say these vows and I'll automatically be in a relationship with you. No, 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 no. You form the relationship ahead of time. And then the vows say, now this is how we're going to live together in this relationship. That is how God treats salvation and all of the commandments in his scripture, both the Torah commandments and the ones Jesus added. There are thousands of commandments in God's scripture, not just the Torah. This is why we need to learn the whole word of God, because the whole word of God in a sense, builds the house in which the husband and the wife live together. That's the point in all of this. It's more than just the Torah. The Torah is God's word, and God's word spells out the terms of how we are to live with him. So putting our righteousness to good use is living God's word. James 2.26 says this, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead, which means if you claim to be right with God, then you better have works to fulfill it, to show it. Okay, when people say, I don't need a certain part of God's word, you're saying, I don't need to do anything with that. I don't need to have any works with that to prove I'm, I, I, hey, me and God, we're like this, right? But I don't need to show it. Well, yeah, all the, all the stuff from Genesis to Revelation shows us how we do that with God, how we live with him. I mean, let's look back on everything we've talked about, Amazing Larry. I'd like your input on some of this stuff. What have you learned from all of this? What? How has it impacted you? How have you been putting some of this stuff to use in your life? Because that's really the point, learning and doing. 
Well, it's almost like following some sort of a schematic when you're putting something together, right? You got the okay. nuts and the bolts and the and the screws and the washers. And, you know, when they're all in parts like this, uh, you don't have a built whatever. It's just parts. And when you take all those parts and you put it together, then it makes sense. And so even the Torah has parts and pieces of it. It's all God's word. It's all part of the package. It's just the way that God puts it together and how I obey it makes the end product. There you go. Okay, so we've got a challenge. I mean, let me ask you this question too. I know I'm asking you all sorts of questions. I can see the pain. What's he going to ask me this time? Okay, do you believe that Jesus is coming back? Of course I do. Yes, Okay. Do you believe that Jesus is coming back to rule and reign the world from Jerusalem? I do believe that. Yes. Okay. So he will be the king, the Davidic king over Israel, but he will also be the king of all kings over all the earth. Do you believe that? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. This, (laughs) I have trapped you. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you have. There is a tremendous promise that's coming up. And by the way, this is going to be a shock to many Christians right now who will be in Jesus' kingdom, but throughout their entire lives and ministries, they have taught that the Torah is not for Christians today because Jesus did away with this. Are you ready for a rude awakening? Oh, should God, I lay down or what? You better hold on to your hat. God has promised that in Messiah's kingdom, and this is Isaiah 2, verse 3, many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. I mean, and they're talking literally here. Let's all, as the people of the world, go up to Israel and Jerusalem and celebrate the Lord. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We shall walk in his paths. Now, what are those? For out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That means the Torah will still be part of the messianic kingdom. In fact, it will be the bedrock law of the land on a global scale, which now being a bit silly and all of the pigs out there and the shellfish breathe a sigh of relief. (laughs) We shall not be eaten. (laughs) When I read that, I just think everything that God taught, whether it's old and new, will come forth out of Jerusalem. But you're saying that the law here primarily means the Torah. Exactly. I agree with you. I think it's everything God expresses because who he is and what his will is tells us how he wants us to be and what he wants us to do. Pure and simple. The Torah is part of that. It's also a very significant part of that because we see in other parts of the scripture, when Israel becomes a nation, guess what? Those civil laws under Messiah will apply again. The ceremonial laws will apply again because there will be a temple in Jerusalem during Messiah's reign. Ezekiel 40 talks about that. Guess what? There are going to be sacrifices again in Jerusalem, according to Ezekiel 40 and the following chapters. Now, I don't think you're going to be doing those sacrifices to gain righteousness, but they may be there to commemorate what Jesus has done. Or maybe there are some people on earth that will sin, and that they will need to maybe do a sacrifice. I don't know. I don't see that far ahead. I have some thoughts I'm still processing through. But it's very clear that ceremonial laws will be in operation in Messiah's kingdom. The civic 
laws will be in operation. And of course, his moral law will be in operation all when he's here on Earth. So I'm thinking, you know, if all that's there, I probably should start learning them now rather than having to take the crash course when Jesus gets back. The classrooms might be a little crowded. You know, I think there's so much to God's word that I think we we sort of like just to hang out with verses we can explain that are very clear. But like that verse you mentioned in Ezekiel about the, you know, the sacrifices beginning again. I mean, that is just, that just blows my mind because ultimately we know Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. So why would you ever go back? But like you say, it could be a commemoration kind of thing to remind people that it took more than just bulls and goats and whatever sacrifice for atonement. It took the life of Jesus. I don't know, but that's an interesting thought. I don't know how much time we have before the the next lunch rush comes in. But think of it this way. There are things called the feasts of the Lord, and there are some sacrifices out there that have nothing to do with sin and guilt. There are offerings out there called the fellowship offering. You know why you bring that offering? Because you recognize that God has blessed you. You bring an animal, you sacrifice it, you cook it up, and you sit at a big table in the temple grounds there with your family, and you have a big party celebrating all the goodness that God has done for you. has nothing to do with sin and guilt. It's all about a celebration. Hey, if that's what's happening in Jerusalem when Jesus gets back, I'm in for barbecue, man. <laughs> you know, And the fact that God has wiped out sin on earth when he returns, that's a party I want to be a part oh, wow. of. Well, Truth Barista, you know, I know those people right over there in the booth. They're, they're listening and have been listening to us from week in and week out. And I've recorded all of these studies or these conversations we've had about Jesus and the law on my phone. So I'm going to put them on a website. And why don't you tell us about how people can access these conversations? Because this is part nine. So we have nine conversations. We've talked about Jesus and the law. Right. And as you know, everybody who are listening, this is the Erzatz Coffee Shop. By the way, Erzatz is German for fake. So, yes, we're Larry and I are having fun here. This is our imaginary coffee shop, but the discussion is very real, is what we're talking about. There is no fake Bible here. We're going for the truth of God's Word. If you go to highbeamministry.com, all one word, highbeamministry.com, as in car high beams, we are shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Our purpose in the website is to unpack God's Word in, in such a way that it helps us to walk forward in the light light of his revelation. It at highbeamministry.com you get this podcast you're already listening to. We have almost 300 episodes that you can partake in. We have the Frothy Thoughts blog where I put down some of my thoughts about life and how it relates to God's word. We have classes and all sorts of fun stuff you can take part in. And we have live Zoom classes. As a matter of fact, I do upon occasion have a live Zoom class teaching the Torah and how we can apply it. People love it. If you want in on that class, if you want any part of this or a response from us, or you have a suggestion or comment, write to highbeamministry at gmail.com, highbeamministry at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And by the way, we don't exist on air. If you happen to see that donate button and the Holy Spirit moves on your heart, please consider a wonderful financial support to keep this podcast and everything with IB Ministry going. 
There you go, Larry. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's just wonderful. I'm I'm glad you gave all that information because people are always asking, well, how do I get more and how do I find out about this place? Why don't you give us that website one more time? Highbeamministry.com, highbeamministry.com. Truth is getting harder to find today, but there is no shortage of it here on the Truth Barista podcast. Spread the word. We deal with the uncompromised truth in every podcast. We are a High Beam Ministry production. This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. The best way to find out when a new podcast drops is through RSS feed. Go to our website, look for the RSS button, press it, and then enter your email. You'll be notified when a new podcast drops. Thanks for listening.